Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Howdy, howdy. It's Wednesday. Six days from the start of the NBA season. One week from really the day when it all gets going. That's the first big Wednesday of the year. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation, and I am your host, Dan Baspris. Thanks again, everybody, for having this unbelievable offseason. It is almost done. It's episode number 133 of this offseason alone, which is, again, not. My, I don't want to like seem like this is looking down my nose or anything at folks, but it is always funny to me when, when places are like, hey, we've done, uh, you know, we did 100 episodes. I'm like, yeah, knock that crap out in the first three and a half months of the offseason. We do too many episodes is probably where I'm going with on that one. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. We're going to be doing so much social media stuff uh, over the course of the year. It's already happening right now. Tweeting out picks from 30 deep. That got going yesterday with the biggest names in the fantasy world. Um, we'll got some, uh, as the season goes, obviously, we'll have our typical tweet storms. Doing mock drafts, sometimes taking hits over there. But look, here's the thing: you guys know uh, the 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 big sort of promotional things happening at Sports Ethos. I will repeat them very quickly here at the start of the show. Um, number one, Ethos leagues are full. But if you'd like to get on a wait list, and if we get 12 names, we might be able to squeeze a, a league in here. You're going to be on on Twitter about that at Dan Bespris. We are looking for recruits right now, officially on the DFS side in particular. If you play any DFS, let me know, at Dan Bespris. Again, all this stuff, you can email roster at sportsethos.com as well. Um, and, of course, if you have a minute, just drop a five-star review on the podcast, because I haven't really been bothering you about that all that much. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk to Steven Vitovich, our director of content here at Sports Ethos. He has some overdrafted and underdrafted names we get to look at. Uh, we also have, of course, the... MRI results for LaMelo Ball's ankle injury, and it was not outstanding, not catastrophic. But again, we talked on yesterday's show about why, you know, this type of stuff you, you want to draft as late to the season, as close to the start as humanly possible. And with the results there, that it's a grade two, uh, he won't be there to start the regular season. So this is a guy who was going basically near the 10th overall pick, and now with this understanding that he's not going to start the year and the, the similar understanding that that means he's not playing for 82 games. I don't know what that means. 76 games, 73. I, I, he's a guy you almost definitely have to move down the board a little bit. Cause one of the reasons that he was up high was that he did play in basically every game last year. You know, that, that durability was, it took him from a top 20 per game season to a top 10 totals season. So now, even if the per-game stuff takes a little step forward, which it could, the totals doesn't, likely takes a step back, especially on a team that might end up, well, kind of stinking this year. We'll see how it all goes. Is there another opportunity for him to sit towards the end of the year? I'm less worried about that because of the play-in, but it's got to be on the radar as well. So that type of stuff, again, just you know, more reasons to draft extraordinarily late uh another thing we'll be talking about on today's show i did a, a cash draft i just sort of dropped into one yesterday it was a yahoo public prize league and somehow i drew the first overall pick which was absolutely outstanding 
Um, I'm very pleased with the guys that I ended up with here, but I'd like to go through some of the key names and where they went, and we'll do that a little bit more towards the end of the program. So that's what's coming up today. Without further ado, let's talk to my buddy. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be a regular thing, too. Our director of content at Sports Ethos, Dirty Steve. They call him, I guess your last name is Vidovich. I thought your first name was Dirty. I'll, I'll get this right at some point. Uh, good morning, friend. Good morning. Good Do you morning. care if I call you Dirty Steve? I love it. I love it. <laughs> Why did I don't even remember how this joke, this has nothing to do with anything that is fantasy related. I feel like this came up on like a management call, but I don't, I don't even remember how it happened. Um, I feel like a, like a bowl of chili, you know, when you call me Dirty Steve. Dirty Steve. Dirty Steve. You know what? Honestly, if bowl of chili is the thing that pops into your head, you're like the least dirty person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> <laughs> a bowl of chili. Okay. Fair enough. Um, how you feeling, buddy? You've been, you've had a cold for like the last 10 days. You Okay. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a little bit of leakage, but um, <laughs> no, nothing nothing coming from the fantasy basketball side of my brain. So oh, good, no no fantasy basketball leakage, just <laughs> just bodily fluids. That's delightful. What a lovely way to start a podcast. Uh, so Steve is back on here today. By the way, you can follow him on Twitter at Stephen Vidovich. S T E P H E N V I D O V I C H. It's pretty good, right? I did that fast. Was that like oh. was that lightly impressive for you? Did I get that all right? Yeah, no, I, I like it quite a bit. Uh, you did pretty well. I just like to say that uh, that I used to be offended by the name uh, by being called Stefan uh, until Stephen Curry came along. Now I love being called mispronounced and being called Stefan. So if you want to call me Stefan, uh, that's fine as well. All right, Dirty Steph, let's get the show on the road here. <laughs> uh, Steve has brought to us four names in the either overdrafted or underdrafted bucket. And I thank you for doing all of the work for today's podcast. So I just have to sit here and ask you about them. Give me and the listeners, Dirty Steph, uh, either an overrated or an under, or sorry, overdrafted or underdrafted player. And let's break it on down. Let's figure out why. All right. So what do you want? Do you want the uh, underdrafted or overdrafted? I don't know. I feel like you can tell a lot about a person by whether they start with the down one or the up one, but I don't know what that means. Uh, let's let's start with an um, overdrafted player. All right. So um, I think it's a lot easier to identify the overdrafted players in fantasy because of points leagues, basically. Um, the first guy I'm going to come up with, and I really like the, the guy as a player. I think he does have a bright future in the league. Um, but it's just his time in fantasy is not there in category formats. And that's RJ Barrett of the Knicks. Yeah. Um, he is going right around. Oh, I didn't put his ADP here, but I think he's going right around the 90 range. Let me pull up his ADP. Apologies here. I know his Yahoo X rank is like 115 or something in that range. And typically, like you said, he will go in front of the X rank because because of points leagues, really. Um, exactly. And, you know, even if he does regain his 2019-2020, uh, or I'm sorry, 2020-21 form, which he was shooting much better from the field, I think he was around 44%. It's still not going to get him anywhere close to that, even that 115 rank. Um, so you're you're drafting a player way above uh, their ceiling. You're hurting yourself in your percentages. 
Um, and he adds quite a bit of turnovers too. He doesn't give defensive stats. Yeah, none. Man, so the defensive stats are they're they're non-existent. And honestly, I was a little bit surprised. I figured, I, like I'm I'm as down on R.J. Barrett as the next guy. I've clowned on him on many a podcast. This is actually even lower defensive stats than I thought. I thought he was at like one steal and like no blocks last year. It was point six steals in almost thirty five minutes a game. That's that's obscenely low. Yeah, I think he's a better defensive player in reality, but it's just not translating to fantasy. Even if he gets the steal, let's say that his, he brings his steal up to one. Let's say he brings his field goal percentage closer to that 44% mark. I still don't think he's getting to this uh, this 115 value. Uh, I think his ceiling is more like one, uh, 135 uh, and why draft a guy in category formats if you're in points league sure take rj barrett um he's gonna put up a lot of counting stats but in in category formats it's just too much of a risk to take him let someone else deal with him um and you can draft somebody that has a little bit uh, uh more upside yeah it's uh, he's he's such a weird phenomenon because it does even though the x rank is in the 120s the adp is higher and we say oh well this is exclusively points leagues it, it's not necessarily he, people take a stab on him even in category leagues because i assume because he scored 20 points a game last year like that's the only reason you can look at it because basically everything else he does is sub league average it, it's really weird it, it's this it's that strange fantasy phenomenon where one category can sway a decision maker by so so much and there's there's almost like nothing you can do about it you know like if a guy scores 20 points someone's gonna draft him at a high mark even if his field goal percent is a massive negative free throw massive negative steals and blocks big negative rebounds i guess is kind of like league average assists is right around league average but like to be good at one category, league average in three, and bad in, what, five? Is that what I said left over? Four, four and a half, something like that? There's just, there's like no way for you to get inside the top 100 when you're an anchor in multiple categories. So, yeah, 100% on board with you on that one. That was a layup for overdrafted. Who's your other one? Yeah, oh, and by the way, I just found his ADP on Yahoo at 92. So he's going at 92. There's no way that he's going to get to that uh, that mark. Oh, brutal. In terms of my other overdrafted uh, player, I went with a um, perhaps an even buzzier name uh, because he it's only his second year in the league, and that's uh, Alpern Shengun. Oh my god! Projected goodness. starting center on the Rock. Dirty Steph, you love getting yelled at after pot appearances. <laughs> if there's one thing I know about you, it's you love because you and I we did like a first round hit or bust thing and you picked Giannis as a potential bust and YouTube just had a freaking field day with you on that one. But at the same time, uh, like there's, you know, categories matter, you know, like field goal percent matters the, uh, or free throw percent in the case of Giannis. Um, what's the, what's the story on Shengun? Cause I don't think this one's as obvious as RJ Barrett. Why do you feel like this one could turn out to be overdrafted? So uh, on Yahoo, his ADP right now is the 68th player drafted. So in 12-team leagues, you you have to spend a middle sixth-round pick or higher to get him. Um, and let's look at uh, from March 7th onwards last season when he got uh, 27.1 minutes per game for the Rockets. He started a good amount of those contests. He was still outside of the top 130 from a per-game perspective. 
So you're drafting a player at 68 that has never been able to show that he can deliver uh, close to that value on a season-long basis. So it's possible we see a huge second-year leap from Shangun, but that kind of production from March 7th onwards, you know, he was averaging, uh, I don't even think he got to a block per game during that time. Um, he is not the type of player in my opinion, who's going to see huge jumps in uh, counting stats. I just think that you want to let another manager in your league take this guy. I have a player that I think is being underdrafted who is going about 30 spots back of Shengun. He's going in the 90s. And I'd rather end up with that player on my roster. The reason why Shengun is going ahead of him is because he's buzzy. And I am not saying that I don't like these players in reality. I'm just trying to give the fantasy managers the best value possible, including myself when we're drafting. So uh, let me let's pivot over to whatever Yahoo's got going now, because that's an easy way to look at it. Yahoo has Shangun shooting 50% this year and 72 at the free throw line. Uh, they've got him well over a steal and a block per ball game. Is that that sounds like a projection that you disagree with? Yeah, so uh, in that in that 16 game sample size, uh, he averaged 0.8 steals and 0.9 blocks per game. So could he get over that 1.0 threshold in both of those categories? Sure, but is it a guarantee? I don't think so. Uh, I, I think he's closer on the blocks. I could see him getting that um, where it needs to be, maybe 1.1, 1.2. But I just don't think the steals will get. If I was to bet on it, I would not bet on him having uh, more than one steal and block per game. Hmm. Interesting. All right, well, let's segue into the underdrafted then, because you said you had one that kind of ran in in parallel with Shengun as a guy you could maybe even flip-flop in a draft. Who's your underdrafted guy? Or first? Yeah, best. so I don't even think you need a flip-flop because Shengun is going uh, quite a few rounds earlier, but you could just uh, grab somebody else in that in that sixth round and that mid to late 60s, early 70s, and then wait a round or two before you get this guy. He's a less buzzier name, uh, and that's P.J. Washington, who mm. currently has an ADP of 97. Um, so uh, P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges, their fantasy values have been linked for some time since they've been teammates in, in Charlotte. Um, Bridges had his breakout campaign in 21-22, and that really limited Washington's ability to see the kind of opportunity he needed. Uh, to produce um, over his ADP, but he still uh, was right around the top 100 in per game value. And he's going right around there. Um, the role, he should have a much bigger role on the Hornets. I do have to add the caveat that there's a possibility we see the Hornets end up with a, a pretty poor record, especially with the LaMelo <laughs> ball injury before the season. Miles Bridges obviously out with legal issues uh, this year. So it's possible we see Washington maybe shut down towards the end of the year. That's always a possibility with the teams that struggle. But uh, as long as he's playing um, no injuries, I think that he he's being drafted at his 80 at his value floor. And I think there is a good amount of upside. I would rather have PJ Washington 
on my roster than Alper and Shengu. Yeah, you know they're not uh, they're not that different from a fantasy standpoint. Um, there there are areas where you can look at it and say, oh yeah, that like the they can each pass a little bit for a big man. Uh, PJ maybe a little bit more of an undersized center than Shengun is. I think Alperin's a tiny bit taller. Um, Shengun, I think you're probably going to see a higher turnover number. But yeah, like you said. Um, PJ last year played 27 minutes a game, but I, you know, it was a little bit less about the the minutes than it was about what he was able to do on the floor. He only took eight shots per game. And right now with a bunch of guys out on Charlotte, that number has to go up. You know, Miles Bridges is a, a the big one you mentioned. LaMelo Ball is now set to miss a little bit of time at the beginning of the year. And all of that kind of trickles down to other guys on the roster. So if you just give him a little injection, even if you're, even if there's no like actual personal growth, uh, I totally agree. And actually, Adam Stock talked about PJ on I think it was yesterday's podcast as as a guy he was looking at late also, because he is getting drafted right around where he was last year in what was kind of a I say a worst case scenario, but a very low <laughs> poor case scenario, and he still was able to squeak into twelve team value where. Steve, I want to uh, pivot back into Shangun for just a second because they, th- because of the similarities here. How much farther would Shangun have to fall for you to take a flyer on him? Because for me, it's not that much farther than where he's going. Um, and so I could almost make the argument of like, do we want to take that home run hack? But it sounds like maybe it's a little bit farther away for you on him. What What's the marker on Shangun where you're like, this is where I would, this is where... I feel like we could finally squeeze some value out of him again. Uh, I would say probably right around pick 90. Um, If we get, if we get into the nineties, I would personally uh, go with PJ Washington before I went with Shangun. I understand that there is perhaps slightly more upside with the second year player than there is with Washington. Um, But I'd, I'd rather go with the more stable floor, the more known commodity, um, Washington are also, he played like, I think 85% of his, uh, minutes as a rookie at the power forward spot. And then miles bridges came into town. And so he's been playing a lot more center. Uh, I think that he is probably more suited as a power forward in the league, even though he'll still get plenty of center minutes this year. Um, I just would rather go with the floor of Washington, but if somebody were to say that, you know, they're, they're up at pick 94 and they are deciding between Washington and Shengun and they go with Shengun. I have no problem uh, with that decision. Um, I just personally would go with the safer floor. Mm. Good news, everyone. The Brewski 150 is available to draft guide only buyers starting tomorrow. So you have one more way to potentially get the B150 in your hands right now it's available to fantasy pass subscribers which by the way still my favorite thing that we have here at sports ethos that's just 5.99 a month for the duration of the season that gets you all of the stuff in the draft guide including the b150 projections ranks tools all that good stuff and then you get all the tools and articles and projections and go forward and pro question and answers and video shows throughout the regular season as well again fantasy pass 5.99 a month for the duration of the regular season. The draft guide, which for whatever reason I'm an idiot doing a, a bad promo, I don't have the price in front of me. I think it's 21 bucks to get it by itself. Uh, so if you don't want the entire season membership, the draft guide is $21, $20.99. There we go, I got the number right. 
And that gets the B-150 tomorrow on Thursday. That drops in there. So that's another way to do it. Uh, you can get all this stuff at sportsethos.com. You just go into the premium tab. If you have any questions, of course, you can bother me on Twitter. I'm very happy to answer them. We are able to power this locomotive by you guys having memberships or packages. Whatever it is that you like, let's get you on the one that fits for you. I personally think the Fantasy Pass is the way to go. But starting tomorrow, if your draft basically is after like midnight tonight, you can get the draft guide only. And that, again, is just $20.99 over at sportsethos.com. Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. But seriously, just get a Fantasy Pass. Get the Brewski 150. 20 to 25 targets, many of which the rest of the industry has missed. And... Like, 10 of them just aren't even being drafted in leagues. This is boat race year, and we'll bug Brew about that more when he talks to us later on this week. I like it. All right, one more underdrafted player. All right, so um, this guy is going a little bit higher, um, and I definitely like where his ADP is, and that's John Collins, who's going, oh. currently going at 55 on Yahoo. Um now, JC, he only played in 54 games last year. At the end of this season, was a mess with a foot, right foot, heel, finger injury all at the same time. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to see him on the injury report. No, but no leaking, but, but no leaking, though, at least. <laughs> <laughs> not that we know of. Not yeah. that we know of. Uh, but uh, so I think he looks fully recovered this preseason from the injuries. Um, he was able to produce top 50 per game value despite the injuries last year that definitely affected this play. Um, the opportunity and skill set is there. We're, we're basically getting Collins at his fantasy floor um, at 55, uh, maybe even slightly below that fantasy floor, which I'll say is 50. Um, and so everything on top of that is going to be gravy. Uh, there's a chance that he could finish inside of the top 40. Um, like pretty easily. So I just, I, I love the safe pick there in the middle round uh, for fantasy managers who perhaps missed on a, on a big in the first few rounds. Um, and then they can get Collins here in, in round five. Are you at all concerned about the DeJounte Murray, Anyuka Okongwu presence? Could that squeeze him in any way? Uh, I, I don't, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about um, DeJounte Murray. Uh, not at all. On Onyeka Okongwu, I think there's enough minutes at that center spot with no uh, third option between Capella and Okongwu that I don't think he's going to uh, come for John Collins's minutes, um, at least not to an extent that will hurt his fantasy value. So does this, am I accurate in saying that the John Collins play feels like, and, and I've been big into baseball metaphors lately, and the playoffs started, so I'm not, I'm not curling that off anytime soon here. Uh, is he kind of like a mid-round, clean single to left, like or just a really safe play? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely um, think he's not going to win you your league, but he's not going to lose you your league. Um, that's the way I see it. So yeah, a single. Um, 
right up the middle that gets through the defense. Hey, <laughs> yeah, well, let's take it. You, so after they've banned the shift is what you're saying. <laughs> like went back with when there's a hole up the middle again. Oh man. I can't even believe I kept up with that much baseball. <laughs> yeah. You got NFL, you got NBA, you got a little <laughs> bit going on over there. Uh, yeah. John Collins is an interesting one. Cause he's a high percentages guy, which is always really good for Roto. He's a low turnovers guy. Does a few things pretty well. Like he'll get you a, a typically around a block, and you just you kind of have to hope that he doesn't leak this year. If he doesn't leak, then you're in pretty good shape. And, you know, there's a lot of thought of, like, could there be a changing of a guard at center? But if that's not impacting Collins, then terrific. And then you just kind of hope that he retains uh, center eligibility in certain leagues as well. Um, Dirty Steph! Thank you, my good man. Are we going to do some buy lows and sell highs in the season this year? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm down to come on uh, as often as you'll have me. Um one last thing I wanted to say on both of my undervalued guys that I forgot to mention before is both of these guys fit any team build. So you're not really punching any categories. They can fit uh, a lot of team builds, which I really like in the middle and late rounds. So uh, that's just another point in their favor. Yeah, which, you know, that's another reason that I am always looking at guys like that because they really do fit the Roto side. Um, and then in head-to-head, there's just this – I don't know. It's I guess it's an argument for another day, but like I I don't I don't like punting right from the outset in in almost any format. I feel like even in head to head, there's been a number of situations in head to head leagues where I was like last year is an example of this. I ended up doing a big man punt in a league just just for the hell of it to kind of see how it went, and it was going fine. My team was I think I was like the third or fourth seed going into the playoffs. It's really hard to rack up big weekly wins. If you're punting more than one category, uh, you start to punt two, three, and then you're only winning five, four, and six, three. So it's, it's kind of hard to run up the score. Um, so it's hard to get that first round by. And then on top of that, you just don't really know with the silly season, with injuries, things like that. All of a sudden, come head-to-head playoff time, one of the categories I thought I was punting, uh, which was blocks the whole year and rebounds, I won rebounds in two of my playoff matchups. I just, like, you have to thread the needle so hard to really make that thing stick, and you you, you sort of ace yourself out of stuff. It, you know, you don't look at certain players on the waiver wire. I just think there's a way to kind of soft punt things, and as the season goes, you can either lean into that or lean away from it if you need to collect another victory. Uh, and a lot of teams punt the same categories these days. So, uh, you know, then you're you're picking from the same very small bucket of players that fits for both. Uh, so I love the guys that do a little bit of everything. Those guys just move the ball forward, especially slightly later in a draft like PJ you were talking about. Uh, but, yes, enough of that. Enough monologuing here. Uh, Steven Vitovich, I'll actually say your name the right way here at the end, at the end of the hit. He is on Twitter at Stefan Vitovich. I'm just going <laughs> to do that to torture you. Uh, we'll get you tagged and everything, obviously. He's the director of content here at Sports Ethos, and we will get some buy lows and sell highs from you after the season gets a rolling. Um, opening day, man, six days away. You excited? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm a, you know, Warriors fan, so um, while the – Preseason has been a little bit strange uh, with uh, the types of conversations that I'm having with friends. Um, (laughs) I I am very excited uh, for them to hang that championship banner next next Tuesday and and try to take down your Lakers. Yeah, I know. I think my Lakers will be a tiny bit better this year, but we'll see if they swing any of those trades. Um, I'll be rooting for JTA, that's for sure. Yeah, how can you not? 
How can you not? Inspiring story, all good stuff. Uh, Steve, we'll talk to you, I don't know, next week? Sounds great. Steve's a busy man. He's running our NFL and NBA divisions right now, and uh, anything else that comes along, DFS, I think, is under his purview. It is, uh, it's a lot, man. He's he's grinding it out, and do thank him for taking a, a couple minutes here to pop on this show. We'll try to do more hits with Steve as this season wor- works through. Um, some buy lows, some sell highs, some other stuff going on throughout the year. Just a very, very sharp fantasy mind that is processing a bunch of sports at the same time. Uh, I said I wanted to go through some results from my cash draft. And so let's do a little bit of that here towards the end of the show. We'll spend, I don't know, maybe 10-ish, he says, longingly, 10-ish minutes on this. Provided I don't get too flagrantly sidetracked. And then the rest of this week, we're going to be talking to Josh Lloyd and Aaron Bruski. So those are going to be two really fun shows to close out the week. First thing next week, we will drop the Dan Bespris Old Man Squad, which I know for a lot of you is kind of like, is that too little too late? But you've pretty much all figured it out. Like, I know you're like, oh, we want the official list. But, like, you've heard me talk about every single player in the NBA to this point. But officially on Monday, we will put them together. That'll be list day. And then Tuesday, it's get ready for basketball time. We'll talk a lot about strategy going into a season, how to approach the first couple of days, even the first week or two or three. And that'll be much more of a theoretical show before officially on Wednesday of next week, we have box scores to look at. Crazy. So here's a little bit from the cash draft I dropped into yesterday. Again, I, I'm, I got the number one pick. I'm less concerned with telling you who I got and more with just sort of like generally where players ended up going. So not surprisingly, Nikola Jokic went one, Giannis and Luka went two and three, and that's now happening in almost every like non-ultra-competitive draft. This is a Roto League, by the way. So like Luka at three is uh, somewhat interesting. I know that turnovers are a big deal there, but to take someone who's... Uh, a net negative potentially in both percentages as well is, I don't know. It surprised the heck out of me, and I, but we're seeing it happen a lot. So KD slipped to fourth, Joel Embiid slipped to fifth. That's juicy. Steph six, Tatum seven, Harden went eight, then Cat, Dame, Trey, and Tyrese Halliburton was your first round. So not not many surprises really, other than just like we're seeing that four, five, six, seven, eight range turning into actually a much more interesting place to draft because the the points league or the punt darlings are moving up towards the top second round was also mostly devoid of surprises or a couple of names that slipped in there that i was a little bit uh shocked by for one um dejounte murray went 13th so first pick of the second round that was very early for him Lamelo went 14th i thought he might slip a little bit farther bam Adebayo all the way up to 15 I, you know, whatever the, the Heat are selling on him, people are buying. I, I'm not. I like Bam, but I like him as a third-rounder. Like, even a mid-third-rounder. Maybe he gets the durability back and he and he just blitzes past that by totals. I just, I don't see how with the continued growth of Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo now probably going to have a slightly larger role. Kyle Lowry's still there. Jimmy Butler didn't go anywhere. Like, where are these extra opportunities for Bam actually coming from? 
that they keep talking about. Oh, he's going to like step into pull-up threes in the regular season. Yeah, maybe a couple. Darius Garland uh, went at 19. That's very early, um, considering he did you know, most of his damage last year after every other guard on the team got hurt. He was more like a 50-60 range guy before Sexton and Rubio went down, and then he blitzed into the 20s, but he's got Donovan Mitchell next to him now, who, by the way, went two picks later at 21. I don't think I agree with either one of those. I thought those two guys would fall too far after the trade that brought them together, and instead, they almost haven't budged. Oh, well. That pushed LeBron all the way down to 22. I would have loved it if he had made it back to me at 24, even with his free throw stuff. We can kind of make up for that pretty easily. Ja went at 23, so, you know, paired him up with Giannis. This is a team that's building a little bit of a a punt build, and it can work in Roto if you make sure you're punting only one thing. So now this team has to be really careful not to punt anything else besides free throws. Because they're probably not going to be competitive in that. And you can kind of only take one one in uh, in a Roto League. If you're bad at two things, you're in real trouble. And the one thing I notice with this team as I'm looking, because they are, they are punting stuff, is, like, is there going to be a lack of threes? Maybe. Ingram, De'Aaron Fox, Clint Capella, Julius Randle... Kuzma, R.J. Barrett. I mean, this is a very, very strong punt free throw team. But, you know, to a certain degree, that does kind of feel a little bit more like it's built for head-to-head. I guess we'll see how it goes. They'll they'll be competitive, and they'll be very good in scoring. Uh, field goal percent should be pretty good with, uh, with Giannis leading the charge and then having some centers mixed in. And they'll be fine with blocks as they took some centers that block shots later. Threes might be questionable. I'm looking for assists. You know, Jaw's going to get a few. Darren Fox is going to get a few, but that's probably also a little bit of a, a problem spot. We'll see if they can pull a few out late. Um, I don't know. It's just it, like sometimes I know I, I've talked about how I've soft punted points in Roto Leagues before, but you have to make sure that you're like top of the pack in a bunch of stuff to make that work. We'll see how it goes. Uh, moving towards the third round, almost no surprises at all. Cade actually fell to the end of the third, which was somewhat notable, not because I think he should go earlier, but because he tends to go earlier. Zion went middle third round, but again, no, no shocking stuff in that one. Looking at the fourth round, uh, Evan Mobley has fallen out of the mid fourth you know, there was a stretch where he was going mid mid to late third. It seems like he's kind of bounced back down the board a little bit. That's what I thought I saw happening, and, and these recent drafts have given me a pretty good indicator that they are. Jalen Green went early fifth round. Shea Gilgis-Alexander actually went early fifth round as well. Um, you know, he's a guy you can take a shot on in a roto league for whatever that's worth. Uh, Josh Giddy, Christian Wood went at the end of the fifth round. Uh, so Wood is it's starting to drop a little bit. Giddy apparently hanging tough. Alperin Shengun, who Steve just talked about, went at 61 in this cash draft. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. went at 62. Kind of curious where he goes given the, the injury stuff. Devin Vassell went at 70. Keldon Johnson at 72. A couple of guys that we've been keeping an eye on on the Spurs. Uh, and then among other names that we've been kind of watching, uh, Al Horford, who I'm very excited. I actually got him in the seventh round. 
Yeah. Oh, yes. He's going to have a he's going to have an unbelievable start to the year with no no Robert Williams around. And like he was good even with Robert Williams around last season. Um, Larry Markinen went in the early 80s, as did Robert Williams, the aforementioned Robert Williams. Gary Trent Jr. went in the 80s. That's one that I've been watching. Kyle Lowry actually went right around 90, so a little earlier than expected. Colin Sexton in the early 90s. Uh, Jalen Smith, mid-90s. Jabari Smith and Keegan Murray went right around 100, as did Trey Jones. P.J. Washington, who Steve was just talking about, he went after 100. I think it's 104 in this one. J.J.J. at, uh, what is that, 107, something like that. And then if you're looking at some of the flyers that our, our various guests have talked about on the podcast, they pretty much all went after, with the exception, I guess, of Trey Jones, because he's a name that came up a couple of times. Uh, the other flyers in this draft were more rounds 10, 11, 12, and 13. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, that's who Brew gave us. He went in the 10th round. Okongwu, Isaiah Jackson, both 10th round. Vanderbilt, Cam Johnson, DeAnthony Melton, all of those guys actually went 10th round. So between 109 and 120 is when pretty much all of the analyst favorite flyers came off the board. And then after that, it's uh, a little bit of a grab bag. I took a kind of an interesting tack, and I think you can do this in a roto league, especially one that has injured spots. I went Mike Conley in the 11th because dude hasn't been traded yet. Everybody else was, but right now... He's probably the starting point guard on that Jazz team. Colin Sexton probably starts at the two. Clarkson probably still coming off the bench for now. Uh, so, like, I know we immediately just slotted Colin Sexton into Donovan Mitchell's role, but some of that is actually going to go to Conley. He could actually have a really good start to the year before, you know, th- things are going to get wonky in Utah. I would never doubt that. I would never argue against it. But Games Cap Roto... If you can roll up 20 big games of Conley and then just flip him off into the ocean, that's fine. That's better than what almost everybody else is going to get out of their 11th or 12th round pick. Because the other guys in this are like the decent floor, minimal upside plays, or a couple of big swing types, but not many are left at this point. Well, this is always fun. A big welcome back to our pals at Manscaped.com. And for you all... Welcome to Fresh Ball Fall. It's the season of pumpkin spice and making sure every part of your body looks nice. Oh, yes. I'll tell you what. uh, It's just really exciting to have Manscaped back with us for another year. I'll tell you right at the outset here. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code HOOPBALL20. Yes, the old site name. HOOPBALL20. 20% off. Free shipping at Manscaped.com. The Platinum Package. That's the way you got to go. With this glorious package, you can align the entire hygiene routine into one fell swoop. It's got shower goodies. It's got performance. It's got the lawnmower 4.0. It is beautiful. That's got all the stuff, like body wash, shampoo, conditioner, deodorant, and... Manscaped even throws in two free gifts in the Platinum Package 4.0. Boxers and a travel bag. I love it. I lo- you got to wear a pair of Manscaped boxers. Come on. 
Don't kid yourself. Get the Platinum Package this fall. Once again, promo code HOOPBALL20, 20% off and free shipping on your manscaped.com order. Clear out the leaves. It's time to shine. And so in the 12th round, when everybody else is taking these really low probability swings, I took some injured guys. I went Markel Fultz in the 12th. I took Lonzo Ball in the 13th. There are three injured slots in the public prize leagues, and so I can immediately plop those guys into them and just pick up two dudes off the wire because I wasn't all that worried about what everybody was grabbing at this point. Someone's going to emerge here at the beginning of the year. Guys are going to get dropped who have one or two bad games that then end up getting better. And honestly, like if I get to December and there's no sign of Lonzo Ball coming back and I have three guys that are hurt in addition to him, then I can just drop him. It's the 13th round pick. It's when Marvin Bagley went off the board in this league. Who cares? And then with Fultz, like, if he comes back in the first couple weeks of the season, I actually think he could be pretty good this year. So why the hell not? And he'll just replace one of these guys I pick up here, which probably won't be very good anyway. But I'll tell you, by the end of the 10th round, almost all of the analyst-sponsored names were gone. And perhaps more than anything, and I know I pointed out where like 10 or 15 interesting names actually went off the board in this draft, but more than anything, the lesson to be learned from this particular cash draft, and I'm guessing a lot of yours as well, is that by pick 120, all of the analyst-sponsored names are gone. Whoever you follow, you know, whether it's the B-150 or any of the Roto-World guys we've had on or any of the Basketball Monster guys we've had on, or et cetera, et cetera, like, by the time all of our buddies have listed their sleepers and everybody's looked at them, they are gone. And in fact, DeAnthony Melton, I got him here at 120. You know, Jonas Nader sponsored DeAnthony Melton. Uh, I don't know if it's going to totally pan out. I was actually going to go Brooke Lopez, and he got picked right in front of me at 119, which felt kind of mean considering how long he had hung on to that point. But again, like, you know, me, I took Conley to start the 11th round, as we just talked about. The other names in that one, Cole Anthony, Kelly Olynyk, James Wiseman, Josh Hart, like he's the starting small forward there, and that might be okay, but we're, you know, we're not talking about guys where like things are not about to just magically come together for these dudes to have top 60 seasons, per game at least. You know, maybe a couple of them stay healthy. Is Olynyk going to get to start and play? We don't even really know. I mean, we're in very much we-don't-really-know department here. So don't wait around. It once again, I think, uh, backs our assessment that, like, you got to really start going to get your guys early this year. And then just assume that by the end of the 10th round, anyone you're targeting is going to be gone. So don't even worry about who's going to make it back to you. At that point, you just take your favorite name. And I would argue you can even do that in Roto Leagues as early as, like, the fifth round this year. And I probably would have if Chris Middleton wasn't still there at basically pick 50. How could I say no to that one? How could I say no to a guy who's just like coasts along at top 40 all season, every season, forever? If you're going to give me a full round of value, I'm still kind of going to take it. Like, I know that I've said sometimes you take the home run hack, but if someone's going to give you a player that's around above where you're drafting them or slightly more even, you still kind of have to do it. And if he wasn't there, and I'm looking at the board, like if he was the last name that I was considering at that point, if, if Middleton wasn't there, and then I'm 
looking at my team and thinking, all right, I didn't have that many turnovers at this point, so I, I sort of don't need the low turnovers guy. Uh, I, I'm looking pretty far down the board at that point. I'm looking at Vassell. I'm looking at Keldon Johnson. I'm looking at Jalen Brunson. These are guys that went like a round, round and a half later, but they weren't going to make it back to me. And like, you guys know I love Mikael Bridges, but I had a pretty low turnover team to that point. So I could afford to take, I know Middleton's not a high turnover guy, but like he's around two last year. I think he was two and a half, something like that. So I could afford a player like that on my team where as much as I love Bridges, a lot of his value is tied up in the fact that he only gets 0.8 turnovers per game. I didn't need it as much. So, you know, this comes back to a point that I made, and I want to get this pod wrapped up because it's getting a little longer here. But like I said, uh, 10 minutes of draft discussion turns into 20. Uh, The team build is always going to be relevant. And even as much as I love all my old man squad guys, sometimes you have to mix and match a little bit. And in this case, actually, Middleton is, you know, he's sort of old man-esque, but his turnovers are a little bit higher. His field goal percent is is fine, but not like blow the roof off great. He was at 44 last year and just kind of does a little bit of everything. So that's cool. Uh, but he's less old manny than a much younger player in, in Bridges, who's great at both percentages, but, you know, his value's tied up different ways. And in this particular draft, I went old man style early. I took Kawhi Leonard. I took Freddie Van Fleet, who's a little bit less old manny because of the low field goal percent. But when once, first of all, I had Nikola Jokic, so I could pretty much do whatever I wanted after that. But like, you know, Van Fleet, two and a half turnovers. Kawhi, he's usually in the low twos. Jokic is at three and change. Sure, I could have gone low turnover guy, but I also know where my drafts tend to go after this point. I had Porzingis. He's not going to have many. I knew I was going to get some lower turnover guys in the next round or two also. All right, let's put a bow on this bad boy. Josh Lloyd tomorrow, Aaron Bruski on Friday. Big closing to the week here on Fantasy NBA Today. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. Thanks again to Steve Vidovich at Stefan Vidovich on Twitter. Go follow him immediately. He is awesome, and he is going to be in your face in everything we do here at Sports Ethos from now until the end of days. Have a great Wednesday again, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.